Do you ever feel like managing your self-care is just another problem in the long list of other stresses that you're trying to handle? Welcome back to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. This is not therapy. This is real life. I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh-Cedar, and today we're going to talk about how to solve all your problems and make up your mind. Doesn't that sound great? And we're going to do that by focusing on some very simple, that doesn't necessarily mean easy, but simple self-care strategies that you can use to help reduce your stress and specifically reduce your stress by solving problems. So what we're pulling from today when we talk about stress management and translating therapy concepts into actionable self-care strategies, we're actually pulling from all the rich research that was pulled from problem-solving therapy. And problem-solving therapy was first developed in Great Britain by medical professionals who were helping patients with chronic pain immediate stressors and health conditions, depression and anxiety, and they found that through a systemized approach to solving problems, that there's actually a huge emotional benefit to that. And primarily we see the biggest benefits for reducing depression and anxiety and improving self-esteem. So that makes sense because when you are stressed, when you are facing stress in your environment or you're going through a mental health episode, either environmental stress or internal stress causes cognitive impairment. It actually makes it hard to think straight. Anyone who's had a bad day or gotten a sudden dose of bad news or gone through a really hard time has probably experienced this for themselves. They may even notice it's hard to do math or make decisions or, you know, they may say things like, if one more person asks me to do something, I'm just going to scream. And you can feel like, you know, at the end of your rope or like you have a short fuse. So the developers of problem-solving therapy were building off of the rich body of evidence that we have from cognitive behavioral therapy that shows that how we think about things matters and how we think about things directly impacts our mood. So if you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed by the problems in your life or you're feeling ineffective in the face of those problems, of course you're going to feel pretty awful. And so problem-solving therapy teaches us a pretty simple step-by-step approach that you can use to gently walk yourself out of problems that are causing stress and making you feel depressed. So problem-solving therapy works in two ways. One, it builds that feeling of competence and confidence and 
self-assurance that no matter what your problems are, you can tackle them. And that feeling in of itself is really powerful. And if you continue to practice the steps in problem-solving therapy, it's right there in the name. Over time, you will have less problems. And this includes overwhelming problems like we talked about before, like depression. Uh, You could think of other problems, perhaps problems in your community or political system that make you feel depressed. You might have a long list of problems that you're facing. And problem-solving therapy says, that's great. That's totally fine. And what we might want to keep in mind is while the research says that problem-solving therapy is very useful for handling stress and depression and anxiety, we've also found that problem-solving therapy is not enough for treating, for example, substance abuse or dependence, um, acute post-traumatic stress disorder, panic disorder, bipolar disorder or psychosis. So we do want to acknowledge that there are times when you have to mix and match different therapy styles. Um, And of course, this is a podcast, so it's not therapy. Today, we're just simply talking about how to turn these ideas into self-care strategies. But just to acknowledge that sometimes you do need other forms of support. So you can mix and match problem-solving therapy with any other self-care strategies that already work for you. And if we just compare and contrast, for example, just to see how different these therapies can be, we can make a direct comparison to solution-focused therapy. And the interesting thing about solution-focused therapy, if you follow the steps, it'll probably sound pretty similar to problem-solving therapy in a way, but the kind of magic sauce in solution-focused therapy is it says that the more you talk about problems, the bigger they are in your mind. And if we were talking about solution-focused therapy today, we would be explaining the fact that in those conversations, you only talk about what is working, and you're always working towards a better version of that. And just acknowledging that, you know, solution-focused critique of problem-solving therapy is that it tends to be too negative and focus exclusively on the problems. So my gentle pushback for that criticism would be just to think about the steps that we're going to learn about today with problem-solving therapy and how it might be useful to you. And if you want to mix and match it with other strategies that work for you, like taking a more solution-focused approach of what's already working for you, we get to balance all of those self-care strategies together. And in fact, that's what makes our self-care dialectical is the fact that we can do both. Okay, let's think through the steps in problem-solving therapy. And we have to keep in mind that the reason why problem-solving therapy works is it helps you access a part of your brain 
to find solutions to problems when stress is likely to overwhelm you and make it difficult to think clearly. So what we're talking about here is the body's fight or flight response. And just to notice that back in the day, our ancestors used to face lions and tigers and bears. Those were the kinds of scary threats that we faced in our environment. And so when we talk about problems, back then our ancestors faced problems in the wild that we evolved to respond to with our biology. So in present day, when a stress pops up in your mind or a worry thought or an email or a bill that hasn't been paid, even though those are modern problems, the body is prone to react in a physical way as if a lion or a tiger was chasing you. So that means that your pupils will dilate and your breathing will quicken and you might even feel a little panic attack coming on as you stress out about your problems. So as we think about how to do self-care as we adapt these concepts from problem-solving therapy, really the, the best thing that you can do to help problem-solve is to start by doing a relaxing ritual to help calm the nervous system and to remind yourself that sure you have problems but if you're sitting down to generate solutions that means that you have found the time in your day to do so and you even have enough time to take just one minute of simple relaxation to get you ready to solve those problems because it's going to take all of your attention and focus. So before we walk through the rest of the steps that come with self-care as you face your problems, let's go ahead and just take this opportunity to pause from all of the problems of the world and just rest the attention for about 60 seconds. And I'll invite you to do that now by taking five gentle deep breaths as you pause and stop everything else that you're doing and just gently let your breath inhale in and exhale out inhale in and exhale out and let yourself repeat that same rhythm for just a few more breaths as you notice the urgency to go on and solve those problems and learn something new. First, practicing the skill of pausing and connecting with the breath. Do that two more times, two more deep breaths. Breathing in and breathing out. And noticing any subtle differences in the before and after just of that minute and how it feels to give yourself permission to take little breaks so in problem solving if you start to feel overwhelmed or like there are just too many things to get done on your list you are probably right and it will help you to take a pause 
before you dive in, just to have a little extra attention and bandwidth to bring with you. So that's step number one. Next, as you think about how solving your problems will help with your self-care, you do need to know where to start. So the next step, I think it's kind of fun because it lets you just be a complainer for one minute. We just did one minute of relaxation. Now you get to be a complainer for a minute. And what you're going to do is you're going to pause the podcast in a moment because you're going to give yourself a little extra time to do this. And in problem-solving therapy, we first need to know what the problem actually is. And for most people who are feeling stressed or depressed or anxious or overwhelmed, there are usually too many problems. That is actually the overarching problem is that there are too many problems to solve. And somebody once explained this to me, it's kind of like you move to a new apartment and you're trying to move in. And in that case, you might open a box of utensils in the kitchen and then suddenly you find a sock in there and you say, this isn't go here. Oh my gosh, I better go back to the bedroom box. And you open that and suddenly you find a book that goes in the living room and you get spun out of control. You actually don't get around to solving any one problem because you barely scratch the surface of all the different problems. Some would say that's the same spun out of control feeling that people have when they look at the news, um, the news cycle and all the many problems that feel so overwhelming. That is likely to lead to stress and anxiety and depression. You're going to feel a sense of despair. So we want to get out of that feeling by building a sense of confidence, competence, clarity, and momentum towards your goals. So that first step is to simply make a list of all your problems. That's what you're going to do now. And go, just go all the way with this. And when you think of problems, put down any problem you can think of. So if you have mood problems or stress management or you're really burnt out, put that down. If you have financial problems or relationship problems, put it all down. And I want you to keep writing until you run out. So if that takes you a long time because you have that many problems, that's okay. Pause and do that now. When you come back to your problem list, next you're going to pick one problem to focus on at a time. This is really important with problem solving skills is that you pick a priority and then you act on it. That's actually where the stress relief comes. It comes from that sense of intentionality. I know what I want to do next and I have the confidence to know that I can do it because I prove it to myself time and again. So now that you have your long list of problems to pick from, you could do this one of two ways as you pick the next problem that you're going to practice with. You could either pick the most urgent problem that you have, the biggest, worst, ugh, most stress-inducing problem that you have, 
because you have to. Sometimes that happens. We're in a crisis or we just can't bear it any longer. And, and so that's the most important. And you might even find the most motivation behind that problem. So you could pick that one. Um, as you're learning problem-solving skills, another way to approach this, especially if you're feeling depressed or so stressed that you're really having a hard time getting out of bed or doing the basics, in an effort to build motivation, you might actually pick the easiest thing on your list and do that just as a way of getting your juices flowing and into the rhythm of things and build a sense of competence. I can think of many times I've actually done this for myself as a way of getting out of a procrastination loop. I've, I've told myself, well, why don't you just get started? Or why don't you pick the smallest part of it or the part you like the most? And that really helps me a lot because it pushes me forward. And as soon as I get it done, I have that sensation of, hmm, I did it. And actually that's, we're, we're pointing to why this works, why this is an effective self-care strategy. Next, once you have a problem that you're gonna work on and you've identified that, the next thing you're gonna do, and this I think it's going to sound really intuitive to you. You are going to make a list of all possible solutions. That's it. You're just going to write down every single possible way that you could solve that problem. And just for compare and contrast sake, I invite you to include at least one or two just absolutely absurd or ridiculous solutions that you could choose from, right? Like maybe you need to renew your driver's license and you really don't want to go to the DMV, um, you know, but one of your solutions is I would just go down there today and yell at everyone because I'm in a bad mood and uh, really embarrass myself. So if you're not thinking ahead or you go when you're not prepared to go to the DMV, that could actually happen to you. And if you want, you could actually choose that solution. If you don't, you don't, you don't have to. Um, but at least you know what the options are. And that actually feels good. Just the, the act of knowing, knowing what the options are and even if there's not a better solution, you know, you really wish there were better solutions available, even in, even in the cases where they're not, at least you know you picked the best one, right? And what you're gonna do next, this is also gonna sound intuitive to you, you're gonna go through the list of all possible solutions and just simply write down the pros and cons. And we talked about before how this research comes from problem-solving therapy. You might be interested to know that just that simple skill of pros and cons is also considered a crisis intervention skill when you look at dialectical behavior therapy. So just a side note, dialectical behavior therapy is that really effective research-backed therapy package 
that includes a whole bunch of different self-care skills, including relationship skills, mindfulness skills, mood regulation skills. And one of the core components of that treatment are these skills around tolerating stress and getting through a crisis. And a crisis situation is gonna make you wanna do all kinds of things that could actually make the situation worse, right? You might get road rage and um, you know be so mad you wanna punch a wall or you might wanna say something that you might actually regret later. It's interesting just to notice that the act of slowing down and writing down pros and cons, as obvious and simple as that sounds as a solution to the problems that you're facing, just to notice that it's also really good self-care and it's a mindfulness skill because you're slowing down and paying attention on purpose, which is what we're trying to do here as we practice reality acceptance. So just to notice, as we practice problem-solving self-care, we're not only solving problems, but we're also managing our mood in crisis situations. Once you've made a problem list and you've generated all the possible solutions to that problem, even the absurd ideas, and you've written down all the pros and cons, now you get to make up your mind because you've done all that preparation. You've done the best that you can to know what the best options even are. I, re I actually have a memory that popped into my mind as I think of a time that um, I was really stressed out and I was facing a big problem. And one of the benefits of being a therapist is that you inevitably have a lot of therapist friends who give you good advice all the time. And I remember one time I was working in an office and I was facing a problem. I don't even remember exactly what the problem was that I was facing. And I knocked on my good friend um, friend's office door and I was just venting and I was sharing with her the problem that I was facing and she was so thoughtful and so helpful. I didn't even realize she was doing this, but she started generating a list of possible solutions. And you know what I did? I kept shooting down every single one until she finally said, oh, I get it. You're not ready actually to do anything differently about this problem. It kind of sounds like you want to vent and get it off your chest for a few minutes. Is that right? And it was just such a sweet, um, she said it so sweetly and it made sense. And I said, yes, that's exactly right. I'm actually sick of doing anything about this um, problem. And it would actually just feel good to get it off my chest. And because she you know, could see it so clearly and she gave me her expert point of view of kind of knowing what all the available choices were, she helped me identify the one I wanted, uh, which actually wasn't the most proactive one, but it, it became a time-limited one. So I did let myself vent for five minutes and then go back to problem solving. 
So in that situation, uh, it actually worked quite well because it gave me a chance to both um, have an outlet, but then contain it. So I'll always remember that um, as I think of problem-solving therapy and just how it feels, what a relief it feels to at least know what options are available and then to pick the, right, the, the best one for you. So the last skill that we're going to talk about as you think about solving problems and make up your mind is another skill that we're going to pull from dialectical behavior therapy. So we're going to mix and match a little bit here. Problem-solving therapy takes you all the way to the point of making that list of possible solutions and then walking you through the pros and cons. And what I want you to consider right along with that is that it will take some mindfulness and presence of mind to be able to make a decision with all those solutions in front of you. And this DBT skill of wise mind is one of the ways of talking about mindfulness because it uses this frame that it calls the three states of mind. And as you look over the, the possible solutions that you have, and you're going to pick one for the problem that you're facing, what the, the three states of mind from mindfulness and dialectical behavior therapy encourages us to do is to think through a problem considering three frames of mind. One is reasonable mind, and that's where you're gonna look over all those pros and cons, and you're gonna be really logical about it. Reasonable mind is that, that part of your brain that you access when you're trying to make a logical decision, um, put something into a category. Uh, if you're following a recipe or doing your taxes, you're, you're in reasonable mind. And mindfulness says that's not uh, better or worse than any other way of looking at things, but it's one type of way of looking at a situation. And mindfulness encourages us to balance that out with another frame of mind that it calls emotion mind. And emotion mind is exactly what it sounds like. You have feelings about something. And those feelings are little data points that, that are there to protect us. They're designed to keep us safe. They're designed to protect our needs and wants. And they give us good information, right? So as you scan through your list of possible solutions, you're going to have certain feelings about it. And mindfulness doesn't stop there because it says that there is this in-between state, this third state of mind where you consider the reasonable, um, the rational point of view. You consider the emotional feelings that come along with that decision. And you know you're in a wise mind state of mind, according to dialectical behavior therapy, when you get to a feeling of synthesis and settling into a sense of knowing or confidence. Some might describe this as an aha moment, or they might say things like, I just knew, or it came to me, or I couldn't think of anything better, right? I've exhausted all other options. There wasn't any other way. 
And oftentimes, what we're calling wise mind, it'll show up in the body. You'll have a sensation of settling or acceptance might even show up here. Like that feeling of acceptance I had when I discovered I really just wanted to vent and that was enough. That was okay. That was enough of a rest to let me go back and later solve problems. So the way that I like to practice wise mind is by simply breathing in a question. This is how it was taught to me when I learned dialectical behavior therapy is breathing in that question and on the exhale just simply listening listening to that gut instinct for an answer and if it's not an answer it might feel more like an inkling or a hunch or a nudge towards an answer so we started this whole self-care problem-solving process with a little bit of gentle breathing to, to help you get your attention ready you might need to end your self-care problem-solving and solution-seeking process with a little bit of wise mind centered relaxation or meditation to help you get to the best solution and what you're gonna do is you're gonna keep doing teeny tiny little experiments towards the best you can whatever strikes you as the best solution among the solutions that you generated is the best one available to you and if you don't see a better solution it's because there isn't one and if there isn't one and you need to go make one well you just discovered your next problem and the way this works it's self-fulfilling so you are going to go through and you're going to rinse and repeat all of these different micro actions until your problems are solved and if you're facing problems that are really really big like unchecked depression anxiety or political stress even you're gonna have to get busy you're gonna have to generate possibly a lot of different solutions and you're gonna have to not burn out in order to do that so self-care does become one of these problems that we have to solve and what we what we see is this is one of those self-care skills that builds on itself because with every teeny tiny problem that you solve you build that feeling of competence and confidence and moving towards the goals that are so important to you I hope that is helpful and I encourage you to take a moment now and pause and go through all of those steps that we just practice. Put the time aside and get yourself in a relaxed and centered state. Generate a list of problems that you're experiencing. Pick the most important one. Generate a list of all the possible solutions, even the absurd. Write down a list of pros and cons as you evaluate your choices. Sit with your wisest mind, even if that takes a little while, and pick the best possible solution. Act on that intention and learn whatever you learn through experiential learning and start again. 
turn this into a daily practice to improve your self-care over time. If you are interested in some of the concepts that we mentioned in this episode, you might want to go back and listen to other episodes from the Therapy for Real Life podcast. We talk more about this concept of wise mind in one of the very first episodes of Therapy for Real Life. So if you go back to the archives, uh, you'll hear my beginner's voice and new audio uh, in January of last year. You'll also see another episode midway through the stream called uh, Motivation Boosters. That's where I walk you through some of the research on motivational enhancement and some exercise to help you get started with that. And the next episode that you might want to combine with today's practice is how to ask for what you want. As you generate possible solutions to your problems, you may find that making change also requires others to make changes with you. So you might need really good communication to help you advocate for your case. Thank you for joining me on the Therapy for Real Life podcast today. I look forward to talking with you next time. In the meantime, visit therapyforreallife.com to learn about different therapy styles, self-care resources, and access information about the Bay Area Counseling and Burnout Prevention Consulting practice. Please remember that self-care is meant to be shared. Rate and review the show wherever podcasts are found to give others better access to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. Feel free to send this show with love to anyone you care about in your life by clicking the share button wherever you are listening. Remember, this is not therapy. This is real life. Enjoy your self-care. Did you know that Therapy for Real Life offers burnout prevention hackathons for the workplace? I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh Cedar, and I'm happy to announce that Therapy for Real Life now comes to your workplace to offer therapy concepts adapted into self care strategies that you can use on the job. As you know, Therapy for Real Life is a Bay Area based burnout prevention counseling program. But now you don't have to participate in the therapy programs to learn what happens in therapy. If you're a listener of the Therapy for Real Life podcast, you know that I'm a big advocate of teaching people the strategies that work for them to manage stress, burnout, anxiety, and depression in their lives. Not everyone can make it to therapy. Managers and HR professionals are well aware that stress is at an all-time high in the workplace. Wouldn't you like to equip your staff with self-care strategies to help them manage stress on the job? Therapy for Real Life's burnout prevention hackathons give staff a fun and interactive way to learn research-backed self-care strategies on the job. As your facilitator, I will come in and present relaxation strategies, cognitive coping exercises, and examples of mindfulness that your staff can pick from and practice in the workshop to see what works best for them. 
teacher staff and coworkers not only ways to take care of themselves on the job, but create that culture of self-care and teamwork together. Find out more about hosting a burnout prevention hackathon at your workplace by going to therapyforreallife.com and selecting the workshops page or emailing me directly at therapy at annacedar.com. That's therapy at A-N-N-A-C-E-D-A-R.com. I look forward to being in touch. Have a great day.